It's, uh, it's good to be here. If, if we haven't met, um, my name's Tim Kimberly. I get to be the pastor here. And uh, with the community group sign up too, w- one of the things I want you to know is you are not promising you will forever be a part of a group if you put your name down. Like, don't feel like, well, I don't know if I want to commit to that. Um, if you say, you know, I might want to visit that group, please sign up. Uh, my wife and I, have, Patty and I, for 18 years now, uh, we, she's been through some health stuff that, that changed that a little bit recently, but went to a community group every single week. About half that time, we led groups. Uh, over, last year, we were part of the Gerard group, and incredible. And I, I really believe like that, it, I would shudder to think what the last 18 years of our life would have been like if we hadn't stepped closer to each other. And it's not, it's not like Oprah where you're just going to be always crying the whole time and people are asking you questions. You might get there, you might get there at times, but it's, it's really, it's so easy in our culture to be a part of a Facebook group or something that's like, those are the people that really get me or whatever, but then I'm kind of just this disembodied person who just lives in this community. People know me, but they don't really know me. And our culture is so prizing that. People who know me, but don't really know me. And we're not wanting, don't think of community group being this torture time of like, now show, you know, tell us your deepest, darkest secrets. But it is a part where you can be known, truly known. And, and we need to be known on the ground by people. And for us to walk with Jesus together. We have people in groups that haven't given their lives to Jesus yet, but they're coming to group to hear more about him. And so, and then you might also say, there are four sign-up sheets and there are 80, 90 people in this room. The math doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't sound like a small group if we're all in groups. And just want to let you know, we have leadership in place for close to eight groups. And what what we're leaning towards is to say, let's have these four and if we have a group that has 30 people, we already have the leadership ready to make that be two groups. And so, um, so please, even if there's already 20 names on one name or one group, be the 21st to, to write down your name too. Um, and I, I would encourage you, even if you were like, I've been, I, was, I tried a community group five years ago, worst experience of my life. I would say, please try again. Uh, really please try. And if you're like, yeah, I visited that group and it felt like five years ago, I would say, please visit this group and try this group. It is worth the trying to find a group where you're like, I am coming alive in my walk with Jesus. I'm known in a way that feels like that's what I've been missing or that that's what I need uh, to be like that. So, so as we launch community groups in two weeks, as we launch The Well next week, our, our ministry for middle school and high school students that really focuses on Colonesco, Collins Maxwell, West Marshall, and Baxter area students. As we launch that, as, um, as these baptisms in two weeks, right now it looks like we'll have the most people baptized at one time than we've had in the history of our church up to now, which is really exciting that, uh, because changed lives change lives. And so seeing... Uh, the Lord changed lives like that. Um, all of that, I would just encourage us, like, don't miss it. Not because we just want our numbers to be at a certain level, but because these are really key things, not just in the life of our church, but in our lives. 
uh, to be supporting people, to bring friends, to say, you got to watch these baptisms, man. Like, this, these people aren't making this up. Uh, you need to hear from them what is happening in their lives. Like, come with me. Even if you're anti-Christian, come and at least see, see what you're against. <laughs> come and see what you're against and, and see, see what may happen when, when you come and, and hear of these things. And one other thing that I would encourage you not to miss and just, just really maybe even bring people is in two weeks as well, we're going to be kicking off a study through the book of Genesis. And I'm becoming increasingly, 66 books of the Bible, all of them are of the utmost in applicability to our lives, in cutting edge information needed for right now. But man, the book of Genesis, I'm just believing like, it's not going to be accidental we're going to go through this book. It is a book we must have, not, not that we read, but that it reads us. And, and let it speak to our, our lives. And so we will probably, like we did in the book of John, I think we spent like 50-some weeks in the book of John. I don't know if we're going to be in the book of Genesis that long, but I would encourage you uh, on September 11th to, uh, to really come and bring friends and be ready to, to walk through, through that book. And, and for, for all that's happening coming up in the fall, it feels like this is a season that families and people are getting into more of a routine, more of a rhythm, uh, schools starting back, all the sports and all that stuff. Um, one of the things as a church and where our focus is this morning is that we are not going to be able to do anything like the words that I say are just words from a broken man. Period. <laughs> no disclaimer at the bottom. For these words, for conversation in a community group, for sharing with middle school boys in a group at the well, for um, baptisms, for all the things that we're stepping into a church, as a church, None of it will actually authentically change us, make that much of a difference in our lives, unless God himself is empowering everything we're doing as a church. The Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. What we know from the Bible is if the Holy Spirit is not empowering the life of the church, the church has no life. It's a social club. It's people playing at religion. If the Holy Spirit is empowering the life of the church, there is actual transformative life change happening. There is a light that is shining into the dark places in my heart, the dark places in my life, the dark places in my family, in my family history, in our community, a light is shining well. And even as darkness moves in, it's got nothing on the light. And one of the verses we'll look at this morning is Acts 1, verses 6 through 8. If you have a personal copy of the Bible with you, um, invite you to turn to the book of Acts. Um, I'm a fan of circling and underlining and dating things and being like, wow, this really impacted me this way. I date it so when I come back, it helps remind me of how the Lord is using the scripture in my life. We will have the verses up on the screen. If that would just be a blessing to you to, to sit back and just take in these words. Acts 1, starting verse 6 says, 
So when they had come together, these are the disciples after the resurrection. Jesus is alive and well. He's conquered death. When they had come together, the disciples with Jesus asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Verse 7, he said to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my, my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the disciples, what they originally thought as they're with Jesus for three years of his ministry, they're seeing him do all these miracles, they're hearing him talk about the kingdom. They're thinking of, of prophecies from the Old Testament, and they're like, okay, the king is here, and he's talking about his kingdom, and we are being oppressed by the Romans, and we hate it. So the king is here, and he's talking about his kingdom. This is it. Like, this is heaven. For Jesus to rule in his kingdom on earth is heaven and is an eternal reality that they are like, wow. You know, the disciples are even like, can I like, be your right-hand man? Can I, like, what's my role going to be next week? What's my role going to be next week, right? So they're saying, like, Lord, are you right now restoring the kingdom as the king? And because he's he'd already conquered death, already risen from the dead, he's alive, and it's like, let's go. And Jesus is like, got a little bit more to share with you. What they did not anticipate at all was the age of the church. They just had no concept of the age of the church. What the age of the church is, is he's saying, hey, you're not privy to know when the full kingdom starts. Okay, so Jesus is the king, and he rules his kingdom, and that is real, and it's already, but it's not fully yet come into the way it will be in the future. And here, what he's saying is, is you're not going to know the... It, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority, but we're entering this church age and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. For the age of the church to work, for the age of the church to be fruitful, for all of us to be changed. And, you know, if the kingdom would have just started back then, we, we wouldn't exist. We would have never been a part of it. You know, for, so for Jesus to have this, this whole season that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all cooperating together to say, this is how people will be brought into the kingdom, how people will be transferred from, as Scripture tells us, the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light. And all of this, you know, it's been 2,000 years. And you can say, like, man, this has gone on way too long. It should stop. 
And it's like, well, for me, if it would have stopped in 1995, I wouldn't be a part of it. And it's God's grace that I was able to meet him in, in 1997. And I'm able to be a part. So it's only his grace and mercy that has allowed it to be this long. For maybe even some people hearing my voice right now that have up to now rejected these offers that he has laid on the table to accept and to say, man, I'm grateful he waited for me. I'm grateful he was patient for me. And one of the things that we're learning here and like a major point here is that mission takes divine power. Mission, the mission of God, and we have a whole lot of things lined up that we've prayerfully said, we believe that this is God's mission in our community. We named the church Sacred Mission Church, not because it's like, is that Tim's mission? Is that Kevin's mission? Is, is, you know, is that Patty's mission? And it's like, no, this is Jesus's mission. He is on a sacred mission for the people of rural central Iowa, and we just get the opportunity to join him. And this mission takes divine power. And to have a fall where we aren't just playing at church, but instead we're really being transformed into a living church with, that's with authentically changed lives, we need his power to do such things. And I love here that he thinks of us as witnesses. See how he says that? Like, you will be my witnesses. And this is just a total side thing, but when I went to graduate school, after graduating from you and I, went to graduate school to just study theology, biblical languages, all that stuff. Seminary is kind of the term for graduate school in that area. Um, my first class, my first semester, which was actually September of 2001, um, my uh, professor had us write 50 observations of Acts 1-8, that last verse, 50. Write down 50 things that Acts 1-8 tells us. And uh, Howard Hendricks was the guy, he's with Jesus now, but he, uh, and I remember being like, I've been a Christian for like four years, and I see like four, maybe five, six, you know, and I was like, okay, we had a week to do it, 50. So I, I actually was able to like find 50 things to say about Acts 1-8. Got back, turned in the assignment. I was like, whoa, assignment for next week, 50 more. What? You know, so stumbled through all that. You guess it. Third week, assignment for next week, 50 more. Every first year student has to give 150 observations about just one verse, Acts 1-8. And it's there. You're not making up stuff. You're not like, well, the sky's blue, I guess. Somehow it's connected to that verse, you know, it, like real things that you can see there. And one thing that's real is that, that he calls us his witnesses to those areas, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. That, that is circles that are going out, saying that this divine power from the Holy Spirit is going out in the place where it reaches rural central Iowa. You know, th this is not like we accidentally got here. This is Acts 1-8. And one of the things about witnessing something, you know, like if I witness a car accident, I see the car accident, right? Like it's like I have firsthand experience of this event. I have firsthand experience of this. I am a witness. And I don't get all nervous 
You know, it's not like, hey, the police are going to call you and ask you about what you saw. I'm not like, oh my gosh, I got to start taking notes. I got to think about this. You know, I'm, I'm overwhelmed by what's going to happen here. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, fine. You know, especially if you don't have anything to do, like you weren't to blame, right? If you're, you know, you're like fully innocent in this story that it's like, yeah, anybody wants to ask me, I'll tell you what I saw. Like, so you witness the thing and then being a witness is then you, you share it with other people. You're like, hey, I'm a witness. Here's what I saw. Here's what I experienced. Here's what I heard. Here's what I smelled or whatever. Cut out. Good? Oh, okay, we're good. We're good. I'm moving too much. So um, one of the things with how he calls this is we're witnesses of God. And we're empowered to be witness. So one of the crazy things about this is we need his power to witness the event. And what his power is, is us having an authentic relationship with him. Actually, knowing that we need him takes his power. Us responding to knowing that we need him takes his power. Us reading the Bible and having these verses be like, these are not the verses written by some crazy guy 2,000 years. These are the words of God, and they are showing me how to have a relationship with him. I see it. Uh, then to, to, to actually respond and to form that relationship, to give your life to him, to be saved, and to 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 be born again. It's as radical as the first time you were born to be born again. It is so radical. It takes the power of God to make us witness to our own salvation. Uh, then if it's like share it with other people, oh gosh, I couldn't share that with anybody. You know, oh my, I got to go and learn, take some class or read some books before. Re taking a class, reading some books are really helpful. But what we're going to do with baptism is just be like, tell us what you've witnessed share your story and be like, this is my experience with him. I hope that you have a similar one, you know, but I am going to be a witness. And what Jesus is telling us here is this is what's happening in the age of the church. This is what happens in community groups, stuff like that. And it takes his power to do it, to be all, all of that. For us to be in step with all God has for us this fall, we have to have his power to build his church, um, we each need to be sensitive to this power too. And I'm not, based on what your background is with church and all these things, um, you could be like, well, I hope we don't get weird here if we're trying to access the power of the Spirit. Better not get weird. We better be orderly. You know, and yes, there is order. Um, there is anything that the Holy Spirit leads us to should be pointing to Jesus right? So, so, and that's good, right? That should feel like home. That should feel like, like we're, we're coming home, you know? But also, over the course of this year, it's okay for us to do uncomfortable things or try uncomfortable things to have the Holy Spirit be empowering us, okay? Here's just one example of what I mean. I'm not saying, here's a ministry we're going to start this week. Here's what this is going to look like. But in a previous church that I was a part of pastoring, we were working through verses like this and praying. And we were like, what if we had, a, what if we had some people that just during the church service were like on the other side of the curtain or in another room and we're just praying? 
just praying, like, God, as the words are being spoken, would your, would your power and really, like, teach us your ways? Would you put roots down inside of us? Like, you know, they would be, like, praying psalms, praying verses, and just being like, God, we don't want to play at church here. We want to really encounter you because we really need you. And, and we had a group of people that would just, for the entire church service, would just be praying. And we had schedules like, hey, this week I'll pray. But then what we did was to say, hey, if God, because he's real and because he's really active in the life of our church, what if he lays it on the heart of a person who's praying about a situation maybe in the, in the church or whatever that only God would know? And what if God is using that to grow us or encourage us or whatever? So we started a thing where it was like, hey, if people praying really feel, it doesn't happen every week, but if like, you really feel something, text it to one of the leaders of the church, and we'll kind of weigh if maybe we need to bring that into the service at the end of the service. So we started this thing, and make a long story short, there was one week where I was the guy that gets the text message. And there was a text message that came from the prayer group that said, we really feel like there's someone in the, in the service that, and I might have, you might have heard this before, but um, it's worth the retelling, truly. Um, we really feel like there's someone in the church service who is really tired. And I remember getting that text message and being like, yeah, everybody, you know, like every mom in here, you know, every whatever. And so no joke, I didn't do anything with it. I was like, I don't feel like it's specific enough. So I just put my phone back in my pocket and we just kept going the church service like normal, you know? And no, we did tear down there just like we do here. It took longer and uh, we had everything torn down that day. And this fireman that I had known and gotten to know, we were getting kind of close. This fireman came up, full-time firefighter, came up to me and was like, and was truly, I was the guy that turned the lights off when we left the building. And I think there were maybe four of us left in the building. He came up to me and was like, I just can't leave. And I was like, what's up? And he said, there, I, I vividly remember this conversation, but he was like, there are people who would tell you they've had a bad day. He was like, I was on a call yesterday with a family that had a bad day. And he said there was a one-year-old that went into cardiac arrest, and he explained all, all of their efforts to revive this young boy, and they were unsuccessful. And he, he was just gutted. He was like, this family had a bad day. And he was like, Tim, I just don't even know what to say. And no joke, I mean, it, this was years ago. He said, Tim, I'm just deeply tired. Just deeply tired. And I was, I just remember being like, what'd you say? He's like, I was just, I'm just deeply tired. That's the only thing I can tell you right now. And I was like, I took out my phone. I was like, look at this text message. I was like, I put this back in my pocket because it wasn't specific. And God orchestrated this morning and you had what you thought was just the day that you had yesterday, God orchestrated this morning so that you would know specifically he is thinking about you in the midst of this crowd. His, he is alive and well. He was with you yesterday. 
and he was with that family yesterday, and he is here, and he even, I think, orchestrated my thick-headedness to not think that was a specific thing so that you and me would be the only people left in this building and you could know it doesn't take away that you're tired, but he sees you and he knows you. And uh, man, I was just like, so somebody, uh, we had so many complaints at that church that people were just like, what are you doing here? Like having people pray and coming up with like words of uh, prophetic words and stuff. Like, are we, have we just thrown the Bible away? You know, what's going on here? And we we're like, no, we're, we're reading the Bible and we're desiring, Lord, show us what it looks like to be empowered by the Spirit in a real way as we really walk this thing together. And for me, that was just a critical example of like, as a church, let's, it's okay to go into areas and say like, hey, let's see if this would be a fruitful place for us in the life of our church as we do church together and as we walk with him together. And so, so uh, one way that we witness and that we, we represent Jesus is by him empowering us. And another area, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 12 briefly is one of the areas that God empowers us is by gifting us, by giving each of us superpowers, by giving each of us supernatural gifts. 1 Corinthians 12, starting verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each, not just to some, not just to the pastor, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. This is like a, just like a, a detail of what it looks like for the Spirit to empower a church, is that, that to every single person who gives their life to Jesus, and then Scripture tells us God has actually handpicked you and placed you in a church for such a time as this. And He knows all the variety of gifts. He knows gifts of service. He knows gifts of teaching. He knows many gifts. And, and a lot of people sometimes feel unfulfilled in a church because they're, they're not stepping into the gifting that the Spirit has given them. And sometimes that's like not the fault of them. It might be the fault of just the way the church is set up or the pastor. But that's part of us walking together is, is, is both seeing the gifts, having the church affirm the gifts that are uh, that are being give, get given, and then seeing those gifts to be developed in the life of the church. We, uh, we have a group of guys that have been getting together on Friday mornings to pray, and one of the guys shared this Friday that he, um, he had the opportunity to, to lead a former coworker to Jesus very recently. And we asked him, like, man, well, you know, we prayed for that guy, uh, asked questions about the details of it, but they were like, you know, how did you feel when, when that was happening? And his response was, you know what? I felt like God like hit me like with a two by four saying like, yeah, that's you using the gift of evangelism that I've given you. Keep using it. So in that moment, he wanted to share Jesus with more people because he's like, man, this is uh, like, that was something I'd like to do a lot more of. And it was deeply meaningful. And, you know, God, I think it's like stoking that more and more in him. And just a, a big point for all of us, is mission is brought through spiritual gifts. 
mission is brought through spiritual gifts. And how good would it be in our church for every single person here to be walking in their gifting, to be using their gifting? How good would it be for everybody to, to learn giftings they might have? And, and that is, once again, you can't do that apart from a church. You have to do that in a church and say, hey, I'm gonna, let me try this. You know, let, me try, uh, let me try being a community group leader. And it might be like, man, yes, the Lord has given you some real shepherding gifting in that or, or a different gift, hospitality, things like that, that would be uh, maybe you could host a community group and, and use gifting that way. But just if we are each coming alive in the gifting that the Spirit has given us, and it's not just like, here you go, here's a gift, now go and use it. Spiritual gifts can't be used without the power of the Spirit. You know, be like getting in a car that has no gasoline. You know, it's like, here's a gift that the Spirit is giving you, and it takes him. Like, I can't preach where it means anything if the power of the Spirit isn't teaching us and moving us and doing all of the, the uh, true, authentic work. And, um, you know, my... My prayer for us as we step into this next school year and stuff is that spiritual gifts wouldn't be left on the table. That, that we'd actually, no matter how broken, how useless we may feel, how burned out we may feel, or any of those things, like to really, my, my brother-in-law is a good example. He's a retired lieutenant colonel, Army Special Forces, has all of these, you know, war stories, done all of these like incredible heroic things, really. And so often when I'm with him, all he wants to talk about is that he plays the guitar on his worship team. I'm like, dude, you have like a lot of things you could talk about to kind of, you know, look like a real man and all this stuff. But he's, you just tell he's got just such a passion to lead other people in worship. And all the military stuff is real, but it's, I'm like, I'm like, man, Corey, it's, it's really cool to see how much you come alive in something that someone else might think is just a small little thing, but, but it, it, there's a spiritual gifting there that, that is, really brings him a lot of joy, too, um, as the Lord's using it in the life of his church. So, so as we are walking in giftings, one of the things that we should be seeing, and this is kind of the last area we're going to lean into this morning, um, is in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, starting in verse 19, says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sorry, I went kind of fast. Galatians 5, 19 through 22 says, Now the works of the flesh are evident. This is what we look like. Now we're not always as worse as we can be all the time. But there's, there's this is the, the broad road when we just live according to the flesh is sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warned you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Not meaning that if you've ever done those things, you, but it's, it's if you are characterized by these things and are refusing to let the life of Jesus and the death of Jesus become your life and your payment for your sin, then the kingdom is not yours and the, because the king is not yours. You reject the king, you reject the kingdom. Verse 22, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, 
kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Man, wouldn't it be amazing to say sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, etc. were decreasing in all of our lives. Not because we're trying harder, you know, but they're decreasing in our lives as we are truly growing in our walk with Jesus, as we're growing and being empowered by the Spirit, and truly growing and seeing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, or goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, having these things characterize our lives. And where we're going with a lot of this is these can't happen by you being like, hey, I'm going to go over here and get all this fruit and then come back to God and be like, look at the fruit in my life, right? They're not, it's not your fruit. It's the Spirit's fruit. As we move towards Him and are changed by our God, fruit is being seen in our lives in this way. It's the Holy Spirit's fruit as He empowers us. And the last major point for this morning is mission empowered by the Spirit changes us. Right? Mission empowered by the Spirit changes us. If you're like, man, I just feel so empowered by the Spirit and I've been walking so closely to Him and I don't think I've changed in five years. Not to heap shame on somebody, but to say, let's walk together. <laughs> let's pray for each Let's pray over each other. Let's, let, let's really step into the Spirit empowering us because what he does when he empowers us is changes us. And we see less of the flesh and more of the spirit. So a few questions for us this morning as we, as we um, move out of this time and into communion. The first question is, are you being changed? I'm not asking if you're perfect. Only Jesus is perfect. Are you being changed? Do you desire to be changed? So maybe step one is, a prayer. God, would I desire to be changed? But is maybe the Lord right now showing you areas that he's changed you? I used to blow up here, and now I'm just annoyed. I used to cuss like a sailor, and now I kind of cuss like a non-sailor. <laughs> or, you know, I, I see myself changing. I've got a long ways to go, but I see myself changing. Maybe it's like the, when I think about that, there's one thing that I'm not changing in that just feels like, phew. and what I would encourage you is resist shame, that's from the devil, but embrace that the Holy Spirit is our counselor as well and could be saying, hey, can we talk about this? Can I get some people around you? We call that community group. It doesn't have to be. It could just be, hey, few people. Come around me, please. The Lord shows me this, and I want to grow here. I don't want to stay here. And would we risk stepping towards him in that area? Or are we being changed? Second question, what's your gift? 
Or maybe what's the state of your gift? And you can be gifted with multiple things, and you're like, no clue. That's okay. Like, that's why we're walking together. But don't just sit there and be like, hey, I want to step more into this. Can you help me? Yeah, okay, okay, we're back. A- absolutely, and, and would love to. And please don't let that push you away from community. Let that move you towards one another. Third question is, what have you witnessed? What, what, what have you witnessed in your life? Have, have you maybe witnessed other people following Jesus? Would you be open to you following him? Would you witness that? Would you say, I, I want that? Whatever needs to happen for that to happen, that's what I want. And man, saying that as a prayer is a beautiful prayer. And then come around other people and say, I want to witness him saving me. I want to be a witness to that. And, or maybe it's like, I want to be able to actually share what he's done in my life with other people. And for all of the things that we're going to step into this fall, um, Lord, we, we want to witness you firsthand. We want to be changed by you firsthand. Not because we're proud and arrogant people, but because you've humbled us to not want to be the king. We want you to be the king. We want to be a part of your kingdom. We want to be changed by you for our good, for your glory, for the good of our community and our family. So Lord, we look to you to empower us this morning. Anything that you've shown to any of us, Lord, we just ask that we wouldn't forget it right away, but that we would actually let it take root in us, change us. Lord, would we all walk out of here changed this morning. For your glory we pray, amen. One way that we, this is not a substitute for moving towards him. It's not a substitute in any way. It's, I would call it a supplement. As we're moving towards him, one way he's designed for us to move towards him is communion. It's his, his idea. And the way we do it here is we pause for a little bit and really let the Lord search us, talk to us. Um, we want to be open to him moving in us. And then we pause for a little bit. And then we come boldly to the table. You'll have people that are serving you the elements. If you just walk up with your hands like this, um, whoever's serving, if, feel free to, to come, come up right now too. Um, but have your, your hands up as you come to them and they'll place the bread in your hand uh, representing the body of Jesus. Uh, then wine or juice, obey your conscience. Take one of the elements. Uh, then the way we do is we'll come down the center aisle and uh, then go back with the elements and remain standing and we take it together as family. And uh, if you have yet come to Jesus, I would encourage you, don't come to the table, come to Jesus. And I'll be over here. I'd love to talk to you about that. Or you can just give your life to him and then come to the table and make sure you let us know how the Lord's working in your life. So, so let's, uh, let's all come to him.